Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with not one, but two stars of the new off-Broadway play, The Fears, currently playing at the Signature Center through July 9th, although that date is somewhat flexible. Uh, I'm speaking with stars of both stage and screen, Carrie Bechet and Carl Hendrick Lewis. You might have seen Carrie Bechet off-Broadway in the one-woman play My Name is Rachel Corey, which was directed by Alan Rickman. She's also appeared on Broadway in the Roundabout Theatre Company's production of Pygmalion. She's also been on such TV shows as Scrubs, where she took over as the narrator of the show after Zach Braff left. Also Halt and Catch Fire, Penny Dreadful, City of Angels, and much more. Carl is also a veteran of both stage and screen, having portrayed Caliban alongside Ron Cephas Jones's Prospero at the Classical Theater of Harlem's production of The Tempest and appearing in the Broadway production of 1984. Most recently, he was seen on the final season of the TV show Manifest. In the fears, every week at a Buddhist center in New York City, a diverse group of fractured souls share a commitment to eccentric yet restorative teachings, providing solace from their personal turmoil. But when their newest member shows up without knowing the rules, it sets off heated confrontations and deep meditations on how finding peace in the city that never sleeps can be insanely hilarious. The show is written by Emma Sheen-Shang and directed by Dan Algrant, and perhaps the biggest name connected with the production is its producer, one Steven Soderbergh, the man responsible for such films as Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, Ocean's Eleven, Magic Mike, Behind the Candelabra, and much more. In our conversation, Carrie Carl and I discussed the rigors of working on a world premiere show coming to a stage in New York. They also talk about how in the rehearsal room, Emma would regularly rewrite things based off things that were discovered during rehearsals. And of course, that led to a conversation about the importance of the WGA strike that is currently affecting everybody in the industry. We discuss all of that and much more. Of course, in the show notes, we will have information on where you can get tickets to see the fears. So with all of that out of the way, here is my conversation with Carrie Bechet and Carl Hendrick Lewis. Carrie and Carl, I know you guys just finished your first week of performances. Have you had a chance to take a deep breath and and look back on the first week? Has it gone well? I, I guess I'll start with, with you first, Carrie. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yesterday was our first two-show day, so oh um, we're, we're really digging in now, you know, digging deep. Um, but it's been a real thrill to have audiences, finally. Um, it's a show that, you know, hopefully makes people laugh. Um, and they really are like another character in the play. And so to have been in the rehearsal room kind of by ourselves for weeks and weeks, um, it really reinvigorated us, I think, to um, have people come. And it really has felt like, um, you know, to be kind of cliche about it, but it, it feels like surfing, you know, when the audiences come, they're all different. Um, and it's like, a, you know, you have to kind of feel out uh, who they are tonight and what they're into and what they're not into. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's the real fun of um, having audiences for something like this. So, um, yeah, it's exhausting and also like totally invigorating and exciting. Yeah, of course. Carl, for both of you work on both stage and screen. And obviously, like Carrie was just talking about, when you start to throw an audience into the mix, especially for that first week of performances where you're starting to kind of get the feel for how they're going to react for you as a performer. How does that change what you do? Obviously, there's like the logistics of, oh, they're gonna, there's an audience now, so they're going to laugh. But there are things that I assume 
as a performer, you're like, okay, this is hard and true about my character. So this has to be consistent all the time. But I imagine there's also some flexibility in how you react to what the audience is feeling and then giving back to you as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the greatest things about when people are in the space is that you're very excited to hear and see like how they respond to. And like you said, um, there are certain things about the character that has to stay in place. But in previews, you know, the main things that kind of change are if you realize, oh, this moment isn't really resonating, then you sit down and talk to the director and you try to find ways to find a way to actually make it resonate for both the character and also the audience. Um, but besides for that, we always got to hold on to what is true to the character. and We can't really change it based on what an audience might um, respond to in that way. Other than that, it's just about keeping playing and enjoying the time with them and finding out what really works for both the actor and the audience, also the director. Um, and Matt, I, I really thought, so the, the subject matter of our kind of comedy is pretty dark. Um, mm -hmm. So I always assumed that our comedy about trauma, um, that there would be one joke every night early in the play that would be our litmus test to figure out, you know, how freaky weird are these, is this audience going to let us be, you know, how funny <laughs> are they going to be able to find this stuff? Um, and it really has not played out that way. Uh, the audiences oh. are so different across the board. I really thought it would be like, okay, like they laughed at that kind of dark joke early on. So we're going to have some like fun, um, you know, like dark people here um, or not. And it really hasn't been like that. It's been kind of like in 12 dimensions, like people laugh at the craziest things or they don't laugh at all. Or, you know, they really just want to have, uh, they connect with sort of the the deeper, truer, um, like drama of it. Um, so it's, uh, it, it really has kind of been so surprising. When you go into that and you, you have an expectation as to, okay, this is going to be illustrative as to what we think is going to happen, and then it changes. And it's not necessarily, like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, they didn't laugh at this, so they must not be into it. Maybe they're just a, a, appreciating it on a, on a more personal level, especially when you're, like you said, you're talking about trauma. How does that change the the rhythm of what you do so much of what we talk about with comedy is about how it's it's about timing and it's about the interactions when you do have to kind of navigate the differences from one audience to the next how do you incorporate that into what you're doing especially when it's between multiple characters in a big ensemble piece like this carl that's a great question. Oh, I'm so sorry you asked, Carl. No, no, either way, I'm Both trying to I'm trying ahead. to divvy it up and try to make it even <laughs> between who I'm talking to. But either way, either one of you is fine. So go ahead. Hey, go ahead, love. It's okay. Oh, I was just going to say um, <laughs> there are so there are some moments. I, I just was thinking about this last night at the show because um, there are some kind of like big reveal kind of surprise moments. And sometimes um, at the big reveals, audiences have big laughs and sometimes they're dead silent. And so we're still trying to figure out like, OK, like when they laugh really big, then that can be our cue on stage to also have the realization. Um, but when they're silent and just kind of taking in this like major shock and revelation, then um, we need to come up with like some other way of like informing us on stage that the thing is happening. So I think those are things that we're like actively still um, working out. Uh, and, you know, that's the that's the whole fun of it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There are like some very functional things, like you're saying, like really technical questions 
um, that kind of have to get worked out, you know, um, and you have to have your contingency plans, <laughs> uh, like a, like <laughs> tiers of kind of like responses in your in your bag of tricks. <laughs> yeah, we just got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it it's this is all kind of part of that question of especially when you're developing a new work. This is a a world premiere. You both on when it comes to stage stuff, you have both done classics. You've both done new shows again, world premiere. So you're figuring out not only your characters, but also how the different beats play out. But as an artist, especially someone who is as is adept to working on stage as both of you are, is there a little bit of like extra artistic excitement when you're like, okay, this show has been written by someone else. Maybe they've had some workshops and read throughs before, but getting it on its feet for the first time in front of an audience, like there's just a little bit extra oomph to what you're doing because you are essentially creating a character for the first time. Carl, we'll go to you this time, unless Carrie wants to jump in uh, uh, on that one. First. I always want to jump in. So why don't we let Carl go first? <laughs> okay, okay, I, mean, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm just always excited. I mean, that's our, that's our duty to create something new. And in this space, I guess, all right, for example, it's been the first week. So it's really exciting to feel and see what they're responding to. Um, and at this point, even though it's still a new play, like the core of our characters are where they are. And the minor things that we might make adjustments to based on what we feel from the audience um, still won't change the core of our characters. It only really about, okay, this moment means this based on their response. So how do we want to change it so that either it still continues what we need to do for Emma's play? I don't know. That's how I kind of feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Emma has a very clear idea of um, who these people are. Um, you know, some of the play comes from her own personal experience um, in ways that continue to really just amaze me. Um, so there is like very much um, a core of of truth and consistency about the play and about the characters in it. Um, but yeah, especially in the rehearsal process, there were a lot of rewrites and that is very exciting as an actor. It's kind of a different task um, to, uh, you know, throw yourself into the writing that's there um, and then, you know, hopefully help reveal some of the places where the writing isn't working. And so Emma would come in with new pages all the time for us in rehearsal. You know, I think two weeks ago we had 49 new pages or something. The play is oh, 92 wow. pages long <laughs> you know and some of these things are like an ellipsis in a different place um and a dash instead of a comma you know definitely something some changes like that um because emma is nothing if not meticulous um but yeah some of it's like you know big things gets changed and um uh, that's also i think really exciting as an actor feeling like oh it's a you know it's an experiment and my participation is um really critical into this play kind of growing and, and turning into what it will be in this particular production. Yeah, she's been really fantastic in terms of allowing all the actors to play the characters from their experiences to the tilt and really hearing everyone's perspective, which is why there are so many changes. Because um, she's like, oh, I didn't think about it this way. Or, I didn't see this part going this path. And she's like, oh, I'll try that. And so it let us all know that we can be brave and have fun and take all these risks and chances in the room, which she would take overnight and then try something different tomorrow, which we all say, oh, this really works great. Or mm, this might not. Can we try this way? And she'd say, great, sure. There was a great sense of play. And there was a great sense of yes. And, and there was a great sense of let's see how far we can go with these characters, as long as it still holds the entire story to its full idea of what she wanted to do. 
and and I love that talking about how the flexibility of of Emma kind of listening to not only what was happening during the rehearsal process, but also making those changes, especially right now as we are in the early days of the WGA writers' strike. And I wasn't necessarily planning on talking about this, but <laughs> again, you both are uh, folks that work both on stage and screen. And uh, as we are kind of seeing the first kind of days of of what this strike will look like and, and what everybody is fighting for and on the picket lines and, and all of that stuff, I wondered if you had any any thoughts or, or insights, you know, looking back at your career at the importance of the actors and or of, of the writers and, and what they are trying to accomplish with this latest contract negotiation? Oh, man, I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful that the WGA takes such a hard line about these things. Um, they are protecting the rest of us. And I support them fully in uh, the things that they're going after, including, you know, crazy stipulations. Like you can't use artificial intelligence to write our TV shows. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think it's protecting all of us and we'll see, uh, you know, how long it lasts and what they get. Um, and it's also just really fun to remember, um, you know, when I started acting, I I'm not totally sure my parents understood that there was a writer on a TV show. I think they yeah. kind of thought that, like, I just sort of say <laughs> some things and that it like that part of the process didn't really register for them. So I really love taking this moment to appreciate the value and quality of the work um, that writers do. And obviously in theater, it's um, theater's really a, a writer and an actor's medium. Um, you know, it's all about the integrity of the words um and finding a way to justify every um uh every syllable they write um and uh yeah i i, I just truly know as an actor who's had to improvise uh, at various times in my life um truly truly i am so appreciative for the writers that write the words that i get to say i i will never not be grateful for that Yes, amen to that. I mean, there was a moment in rehearsal we were working on a moment, and we all felt it, we all felt it wasn't right. And I was trying to create something in the moment. I was like, mm, I, I I don't know. I'm not the writer, Emma. Can you please take over? <laughs> you know, like it's not. You know, it's not my place. It's, it's it's a trade, and sometimes people can forget that it's a craft, and they need their time and their money to actually really focus on their trade, so actually they can be better. And so I'm very happy and proud that they are actually taking the step to make sure that they protect themselves so that their art can be at the fullest capacity that it can be. If not, it'll be watered down and, and it just won't work as well as they would like it to be. So I'm all about it and I'm very supportive of what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, it's always interesting to me when you see interviews with like cast members, especially, you know, as you mentioned, if they have some sort of improv background, like, oh, how much of this uh, of this show or this movie was improvised in 99 times out of 100? There was like it was pretty much as written by the writer. You know, it's, it's everybody wants to kind of de important, you know, or take away the importance of the writer in this process. But it, it really is remarkable, uh, whether it's on TV or film or on stage, just how huge the task is to to craft this coherent story but that's more than just the writer it's also the actor and the director and all the creative team of course but you all have had the opportunity to work with a, a fairly big name and recognizable producer throughout this process uh as well steven soderbergh i know he's been involved in rehearsals and involved with everything throughout that process and and as i was talking about uh with shane before we got started if if he's going to be a part of a project that has to say that there is something that he finds truly special about it. What has the experience been working with him in this medium, although he is 
well known for doing things on screens large and small, but kind of taking his talents and experience from there and bringing it over to the theater as well. Carl, you want to start? I mean, from my experience, I, from what I've known and learned of Steven so far, it's only been a few, you know, a few weeks, is that he is a man who trusts artists to take the helm of what they're doing and to run with it. And that's really beautiful. He has gotten Dan, he has gotten Emma, who are really great at their craft. And he's got an amazing cast who are really great at their craft and the parts that we're playing. And he's just letting us play. And I think that's what makes him really special is that he trusts the people that he hires to make a beautiful art form of the project he's working on and that it'll be something of note. And that's what we're doing right now. So Carl, that's all I completely, I totally agree. I feel like, um, I, I feel like Steven finds people that he is interested in and he empowers them to yes. kind of do whatever weird thing um, that, that they want. Um, and I think that's so awesome. I, I'm also personally a really big fan of people working outside their um, predominant medium. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, a real opportunity for people to bring something new um, when they're, uh, you know, applying their skills to an art form sort of tangential to the one that they've um, maybe made the rest of their career in. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I I wonder how that um, expresses itself in this play. But um, generally, I think that's a thing that I um, really run towards um, when I see it happening, kind of. Um, really interesting people doing something new and challenging themselves. Maybe it's because of my propensity to kind of go towards theater before anything else, but I love the idea of getting people who are, uh, uh, you know, outside of the box, but allowing them to do things that are a little weird. Like I love it when theater is weird. Um, I, again, I haven't seen this show yet, but the premise of this sounds like there is a lot of opportunity for some weird kooky characters bouncing off against each other uh, in ways that are both probably uh, very entertaining, but also uh, maybe a little bit uh, cathartic as well. The show is about a group of people trying to come to grips and understand and, and maybe even work through some of their own personal issues. Uh, and that obviously gets pretty messy because it is a play. So there has to be some sort of drama in there. But uh, mm -hmm. I wonder for you two, as you, uh, get yourselves ready to go into a performance for this. What do you do to center yourself or, or ground yourself uh, before diving into all of that craziness that the show brings? That is a great question. And for this process, for me, I have actually really been been relying on my castmates, to be honest. Um, it's such a beautiful play with really eccentric people who have really great needs and wants in life. And it's just so grounded in life and people and what they need in New York. And so for me, it's just, um, just as I call it, being on person. <laughs> um, uh, how do I kind of explain it? So like in theater, at least for my process, I like to be like off book. Um, usually when I come into a process, but since this is a, a new play and to the, um, the text always change every day, that couldn't really happen. And so I just really, really need to like trust everyone and see where they can take me. And that has really been my my mantra for this process. It's been really lovely. Oh, Carl, that's so nice. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, you're amazing. Natalie's amazing. May May is amazing. I mean, everyone is. And so it's just been, I mean, the play, you know, I don't really say much about the play, but the play is right. really about, in my eyes, like looking after people, like how do you help people? How do you support them? 
um, whether in your family or not in your family, how do you take risks to be there for them? And that's such a real and immediate thing that obviously we all need post pandemic and now, you know, inflation, like all the things that's going on in the world. And we just need to remind ourselves and put ourselves to the side for a moment and say, okay, let me have some compassion to figure out how can I just be present for someone else. And so for me, that's like a, a beautiful through line that's very important in this play and also in the world. And so that's what kind of helps me to move forward every day when we go on stage and even in rehearsal. Yeah. I, I, you know, some of the things I think about when, uh, like when I first read the play, um, I, I think if you've been alive on planet earth at any point in the past three years, you're traumatized by something. <laughs> but we're, we're all kind of, uh, wandering around here and nobody wants to talk about it. And there's no, um, generally accepted societally agreed upon way that we can talk about some of the things things that we all experienced um, and not to put too much uh, weight on the shoulders of this 90 minute play. But one of the things I really loved about it and one of the reasons I was so eager to do it was it feels like it starts to uh, have that conversation about, you know, how can traumatized people take care of themselves and take care of each other, Carl? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. As, as Carl, you alluded to, and, and we've kind of been dancing around some of the specifics of the show because it is a new show. We don't want to spoil things. Um, there are a lot of things in there. And Carrie, you've talked about like some different reveals. So we don't want to talk necessarily about a lot of the specifics in the show, but we also want to give people a reason to come and see the show. Um, so if you don't want to get into all of the nuts and bolts of what happens in the show, what can you tell audience members about what the experience will be if they come to the Signature Center to see um, the fears during its run. It's currently on sale through July, um, so they have time to come out and see it. But what is it going to be? What is the experience of seeing this show like for them? It's going to be a full roller coaster ride <laughs> of laughs and tears and being moved in such a way that will hopefully move them to be reminded of how to take care of themselves and also the other and also the important people in their lives and also people who might not be important in their life. I think that's <laughs> what I would like to share to the world about this play. Carrie, anything to add to that? Oh, no, I think, Carl, you said it really great. Thanks. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work there. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I really appreciate it. It, it sounds it's the, the premise is fantastic. Uh, and and it's always exciting to hear new voices and new shows uh, coming to, to New York, especially when, as you said, they can uh, be a little weird and be allowed to be weird. So uh, thank you so much. Congratulations on the first week of performances. You have a couple more weeks before the official opening night. But as I said, it's currently on sale through mid July. We'll see how long, uh, you know, potentially that could go even further. So we are uh, ecstatic to hear about this and wish you a tremendous rest of the run. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for Thank all your so great much. questions. 